listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Thank you, Herman. And all right now, I want to know, we've been talking about freedom and the higher principles. And if you're just joining us, you can go to the website, greatrelationships.com and catch up. But my question is this, what is the highest principle? The secret word, Antonov. (laughs) Antonov. Antonov. That's the word we want to be paying attention to to help you understand and remember the highest principle. But before we get there, hang on there. Let me pray for us. You're going to make me wait. Yes, I am. I'm going to make you wait. Lord, thank you so much that you truly have given the highest principle to us in your word. And if we pay attention to that, relationships are great. Lord, I pray that we will listen, that we will apply, that we will do what you've asked us to do. In your precious name, amen. All rise for the Honorable Judge Freeman. Counselors, please approach the bench. I trust you've learned from our last meeting the rules of my courtroom? Yes, Yes, Judge. All right, then. What's the secret word? Antonov. And what is the significance? The Antonov is a very heavy airplane. That should not be able to fly because of the laws of gravity. But with Bernoulli's law, heavy airplanes can fly because of a higher principle. Yes, counselors. Additionally, I invite you to consider freedom like gravity and love like Bernoulli's law. Love trumps freedom. Why am I telling you this? Because I invite you to act with freedom in my courtroom. But if the choice is between acting in freedom or acting in love, choose love. So, Herman, before the prayer, Mm -hmm. he has gave me Antonov Antonov, as the highest principle. Well, it's not really the highest principle, but it is a way for you to remember the highest principle. Too often we need something to remind us of what those things are, like an acronym or something like that. Something that has been beneficial to me and some of the other folks is to remember that word Antonov. And here's why. The Antonov 220 is one of the largest planes in the world. (laughs) <laughs> okay, and Antonov 220. Antonov We're talking 220. about an airplane. You're talking about an airplane. That's exactly right. Gravity must not be real because the Antonov 220 by itself weighs 350 tons. And it can carry a cargo of about 300 tons. So it it's, it's weighs 650 tons fully loaded. So gravity must not be real. Is that right? I just don't want to be anywhere underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, here's the reason why I want you to remember this Antonov 220, the Antonov. Gravity is real, but that 650-ton airplane flies. So that must mean that gravity is not the highest principle. There must be some other principle that's higher than gravity, and it's the Bernoulli principle. The pressure differential over and under a wing allows speed to be applied to the wing, and it will fly, and it will defy gravity as long as speed is applied, right? So that's what I want you to remember here. So we get lift and Get lift and all this other stuff. So why are we talking about all this? Because, again, freedom is like gravity. Now think about this. Freedom is real. Gravity is real. But freedom is not the highest principle. There's something that is a higher principle that allows us to be able to use freedom correctly. And that's what we're looking for. So what do you think that highest principle is that allows us to use freedom correctly? I'm thinking about 1 Corinthians 13, verse Mm -hmm. 13. And Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you exactly that. Well, wait a minute. It says, now abide faith, hope, love. 
these three, but the greatest of these is love. Wow. Is this like your Antonov? Actually, faith, hope, and love would be like the Antonov. Freedom would fit into that, those categories, but love is like the Bernoulli principle. It is the highest principle when it comes, or it's a higher principle than gravity. You can't say it's the highest principle, but love is the highest principle. We see it right there in God's Word. Just notice that. And notice also, if you go to another passage that's critical, Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, notice that we've talked a lot about freedom, that how important freedom is. And it's the same thing as God says is grace. That's how we're using that term. Freedom and grace are synonymous terms. So when I'm allowing you to be free, I'm doing something that's good. When I'm allowing myself to be free, I'm doing something that's good. But how does it go wrong when I use too much freedom on myself? I end up turning it into a flashing me moment and I am going to be using my freedom irresponsibly toward you. I'm going to try to get my way because I can. That's how freedom would work in an irresponsible manner. So what is it that keeps my freedom in check, allows me to use my freedom correctly? You just read the verse. It is love. Love, when I'm thinking of you pursuing your best, I'm going to push my freedom down a notch. And I'm not going to use my freedom against you. I am going to use my freedom in a limited way because I am pursuing your best first and foremost. Okay, you're really starting to hurt my head here because over the last couple of programs, we have talked about unconditional love. Mm-hmm. That a person that we love a person and they're free to be a jerk if they choose to, but I am still supposed to respond to them as God is asking me to. Right. And we've talked about love being well. You've defined love as pursuing another's best, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right. And now you just said to push my freedom down a notch to pursue their best. Exactly. That's really important because it fits what God is wanting us to consider here. Did, did, did Jesus push his freedom down a notch in order to pursue our best? Yes, he did. Was he God? Is he God? Yes, he is. He didn't have to come and provide an answer for us. But because he was pursuing our best, he put his freedom within some boundaries even though he didn't have to do that. And that's how our relationships will work best. But he's God. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Here's what's going to happen, Paul. Just think about it this way. If I am free to literally yell and scream at you right now and call you all sorts of names and cuss you out, am I free to do that? Yes. I am totally free to do that. What is it that keeps me from doing that? There's only one thing that would keep me from doing that. It would be putting something above my freedom to limit my freedom. I am not wanting to act in a a fashion to be a jerk toward you. I instead push my freedom down and I'm going to pursue your best. I'm going to put love above my freedom. See how so that works? that's why I might recall reading something, esteeming others as greater than myself. Right there in Philippians chapter 2. What God is, is saying, 
in his example in Philippians chapter 2 is that he is totally free because he is God. He can do anything that he wants to do. And yet he limited himself from doing anything he wanted to do, so to speak. I guess you could think of it that way and sought our best. That's what God is asking us to do for one another. He says it right here. Let me say it again. Galatians 5.13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He knows that we're free, but he wants us to pursue the best for others, which actually limits our freedom with each other. But yet we end up, or at least I do, becoming such a control freak. And I don't understand why that is. Like, I'm entitled, and somehow I've forgotten the grace that I've been shown or saved by. You're going to end up controlling somebody else whenever you don't see the higher principle of love. I'm going to try to control because I want it to go my way. That's why we're controlling. I want to be happy. What God is saying is that isn't what we want. Thank you. And I'd like to remind everyone to take the stress out of your relationships by making them great. Greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral eight relationships.com. There you can listen to previous versions of this program and share them with your friends. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. If you use your past for illumination, your future is bright. If you use your past for contamination, your future is bleak. Virginia Satir. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? that you're meant to go to seminary, this is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world-class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down, www.gsot.edu, gsot.edu, or call 877-476-8674, 877-476-8674. Now get going, now! GreatRelationships.com, that's GR numeral 8 relationships.com is the website. You can go to the website and you can listen again to any of the programs on the radio tab, share them with your friends. But more importantly, Herman, don't we have videos from Chapter 8, which is where this is at? That's right. Chapter 8 is all about freedom in a variety of different ways. You have all three of the tools in Chapter 8, freedom, you have forgiveness, and you have confession, and all of them are about being free. One of the things that we're going to have to come back to in the future is talking about freedom from being emotion-led. Yes, sir, I'm with you, but if I may, before the break, you were talking about Philippians 2.2, 2, um, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, and it continues in verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let 
let yourself esteem others better than himself. Mm, that's right. I love I love this term. It's it's from Oswald Chambers, but I don't want self-esteem. I actually want self-expenditure. <laughs> Just think about the difference there. I want I don't want to be esteeming myself. I actually want to be expending myself so that it will benefit others. I don't want to be pu- putting all the attention on myself. Okay, well you were saying that love is the highest principle. Right. And that And what's our keyword? Antonov, <laughs> you said we push our freedom down to esteem others as great as ourselves, pursuing their best, mm-hmm. patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Before I give you an example, I like to think about it differently. I don't want to think about it as pushing my freedom down. I want to think about it as putting somebody else's best up top, which naturally pushes my freedom down, so to speak. Here's here's what typically happens to us. I see this Ouch, all the time. Ouch, you're making me do what this verse says, yes, esteeming a, others greater than myself, not pushing right. me down, but raising, raising them others up. up. That's exactly right. That's, that's the key, because anytime we end up thinking about, well, I have to do this, and we're going to put limits on ourselves, that creates an energy to not do it. We see that. That's the entire Old Testament, <laughs> right? So the Lord is asking us to pursue another's best, which naturally, if I'm doing that, I'm not doing the other. So a simple example that is easy for all of us to understand and recognize is, let's say you go into a restaurant and it's really crowded and you're not getting the type of service that you want. What's the natural tendency of, uh, of, of us as we're sitting there? We're going to amp up and get attention from our waiter. Yeah, we're going to put on an attitude in some form, right? That is the expression that you do have. You have freedom to do that. But if you're going to operate as God is asking us to operate right there in Philippians chapter 2 and in Galatians 5, you would be pursuing their best which would be maybe, I'm not going to be a jerk about this. I'm going to get their attention, but I'm not going to have an attitude about it. I'm going to actually ask them in a kind way, could we have some service here or something along that line? Great. So we're going to go back to what you were going to mention before about freedom and not being emotion-led. So I need to slow my emotions down that I might seek his best rather than mine. Absolutely. And when we're living a life that is emotion-led, we end up making a lot more mistakes. We don't pay attention to what God is actually asking us to think about. We want to think first, then have our emotions respond to our good thinking. Because if you have bad thinking, guess what your emotions are going to do? Respond to that bad thinking. And just go back to the example there. I'm sitting there not getting served. What's my brain saying to me? I deserve it. I'm justified. I, that's right. I'm a I'm I'm a a customer that's ready to pay. Dad gummit, you should be thinking of me. That's what my brain is doing. It's and his problem that he's not prepared or they're not prepared. And but you know what? Every time that's happened, and I've been emotion led, and I start justifying. I regret so much. And I've heard you say Mm -hmm. this. We are not necessarily always responsible for what happens to us, but we are responsible for how we choose to respond. We are are responsible for the choices we make. That's a very, very clear statement that we see in Ezekiel chapter 18 and many, many other places, that our choice is our responsibility. We can't blame that on anybody else. Is it possible that my emotions then blind me instantaneously to being able to pursue another's best, to raise them up? It's, it's yes, I'm going to say yes to that, but it actually, the way it really works, it's just bad thinking. 
that's really what's driving those emotions. That's what that's how that typically works. So yes, it, I'm in a restaurant. They're supposed to feed me, and you want to tell me it's bad thinking? It's bad thinking from the viewpoint of of thinking they're somehow jerks that th- that you're not getting your way. Notice where your brain really is. They just don't know who I am. Bingo, in some form. Even though we're nothing, our minds are trying to get some attention because we really believe we are something, even though we're nothing. <laughs> okay, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Remember the story you used to tell about Taylor? Mm-hmm. And cleaning his bedroom. Yeah, that's a good additional story as it relates to how pursuing another's best is a better way to go rather than trying to amp up my own freedom. Well, in this particular case, I'm the father, so I have a lot more freedom, so to speak, to make him do something. So he's not cleaning his room, and I get all emotional about that, thinking that if he doesn't clean his room, him not cleaning his room today is going to lead him into a lifestyle of being a reprobate and eventually dying lonely and sad. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's you, from you, a previous program, and it's yeah. a story worth hearing. But yeah, in a nutshell... I am basically saying he has no freedom. I'm the one that's being displeased here, and therefore I'm going to focus on me, and my me is flashing at that point in time. Well, why couldn't I have better thinking, which is I'm I'm the father. I'm here to develop my son. How is it that I can pursue his best rather than try to drag him through this shame and blame game of you know, son, you're going to grow up and be an awful young man if you don't if you don't clean your room. You know, that's instead, son, it's really important that you clean your room because, you know, son, this isn't your room. It's my house. <laughs> <laughs> but, but don't husband and wives do the same thing? You know, somebody's underwear is on the floor or something. Sure. Who knows? And we end up using all sorts of tactics to try to get ourselves at the preeminent spot so that we have the freedom, but nobody else does. That's how it typically goes. So ultimately, I'm making it about me, not them. Anytime we are irresponsible with our freedom, our me is flashing. That's a simple way for you to be thinking about it. If you are irritable, upset, anxious, discouraged, depressed, your me is flashing, and more than likely, your freedom is being used irresponsibly at that point in time because you're looking at somebody else and saying, I don't deserve to be here. You shouldn't have put me here. You end up putting on this victim mentality. Bingo, you just said it Mm -hmm. because in a previous program, you said there are these three little words that get me into trouble every time, should, ought, and must. That's right. That's a, those, those three words, if you understand how those work in your vocabulary, in your mind, you're going to notice that every time you use those type of words, you are ending up limiting somebody else's freedom. Paul, you should be, and just fill in the blank, right? Well, what I'm saying there is if you do that, I'll be happy, as opposed to it'd be nice if you would do that, Paul. It really would be nice. That's the real attitude God wants me to have. It'd be nice, but in in the meantime, I'm going to pursue your best anyway. But what's really scary is I've trained myself after having been through the material not to say should, ought, or must. And yet the attitude is still there. But I think it. (laughs) I don't say it, but I think it. That's exactly right. That is so important for you to recognize that. That is one of the things that's been so interesting for me over the years as I've continued to be learning how to operate in freedom is to notice, oh, I'm not using the word, but the attitude is still there. 
I really am mad inside, even though I'm not using the word that they should. <laughs> so I'm going to think that my selfishness and my self-centeredness, I'm not going to call it my selfishness anymore. I'm going to call it my Antonov because it weighs <laughs> 350 tons easy. So my question is, how do I get my Antonov in the air? I really don't want to be selfish and self-centered, but it seems like the harder I try, the more I am. Yeah, if, if you take that, if you take that analogy to its full extent, what keeps the plane in the air? Energy, right? It takes the energy of the fuel in the airplane and the engines to keep it moving in order to keep it defying gravity. Well, that's the same thing is true of you and I. If I'm going to pursue your best, what energy do I need to have? I need to be in God's Word on a continual basis, subjecting myself to the Spirit of the Lord following Him, because He's the energy that I have to overcome this irresponsible freedom. Herman, I'm going to ask you about this right after the break. In the meantime, greatrelationships.com. That's grnumeratrelationships.com. Great quotes from God's Word for great relationships. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Romans 12.10 Great Relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral eight relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. back greatrelationships.com that's gr numeral eight relationships.com is the website or find us and like us on facebook herman before the break we were talking about my antonov i have now decided <laughs> my selfishness my self-centeredness weighs 350 tons and it can carry another 300 tons mm-hmm. how do i keep this puppy in the air well what you want to do again just keep in your mind that if you Follow the same principle that we do. I mean, the same analogy that we were talking about. That 650-ton airplane cannot fly unless energy is being applied to the wings so that it will defy gravity. You and I will not be able to stand the test of pursuing another person's best without 
being in God's word on a regular basis without the energy of the Holy Spirit living the life of Christ that is already in us. We're not going to be able to do that. It's going to require the energy of the Holy Spirit to pull that off. If I am left to my own devices, I'm going to be seeking my best. I'm going to pursue my best, which is exactly what we see in Ezekiel 33. You remember how that verse ends? You know, I'm, it basically is saying I'm not paying attention to the words of the Lord. With my mouth, I show much love. But what does it end with? But the heart pursues its own gain. That's what we are going to be doing left our own devices. Great. So if I don't put energy into it, the highest principle, love, is overrun by gravity, a lower principle. Your freedom is going to end up trumping love. Love trumps freedom every time when you get it into the right mix from God's viewpoint. But when we don't put energy into following the Spirit, that energy to pursue another person's best ends up becoming underneath freedom. Well, I've got my rights. They don't. They can't treat me that way. That waiter should have come over here and served me. That's wrong. You end up putting freedom above love. A lot of this material is in Chapter 8, mm-hmm. which is on the website. But there are three principles that you brought up. There's freedom and choice. There's freedom from resentments, bitterness, and grudges. And there's freedom from guilt. Freedom and choice is all about the whole concept of freedom. Freedom from resentments, bitterness, and grudges is all about forgiveness. And freedom from guilt is all about confession. And then the first one in that chapter, though, we haven't covered freedom from being emotion-led. And we'll get there. Anyway, with the time we have left, sir, you've talked to me before about the V principle. The V principle is a great way for you to be thinking about how freedom to be used responsibly is a better way to say it, because we've given you the contrast of irresponsible and responsible freedom. If you think of a V, the shape of it, at the bottom of it would be what we have two lines connected together, right? So the two lines of the V represent boundaries. You can't go over that boundary. If you go over that boundary, what's outside that boundary? Consequences, okay? So if consequences are outside the V, what's inside the V? Freedom. So let's think about this. You can think about it. It's easy to think about it in relationship to child rearing, but this principle operates in life overall. If I have a very young child, where would I put them? If I put a dot in that V, would I put the dot closer to the bottom when I'm trying to give them freedom, or would I put the dot closer to the top? They're only two years old. Would I, uh, would I put the dot closer to the bottom or closer to the top? Closer to the bottom. Now, why would I need to do that? Because you're restricting the freedom. Absolutely. They're not going to have enough knowledge. They're not going to have enough experience. They're not going to have enough self-responsibility, all those type of things, to be able to operate with a lot of freedom. So you're telling me, just to be sure I get this right, I can draw a V either on a piece of paper in my mind and different people, different situations based on where I put that dot is actually reflective of how much freedom I'm giving. That's right. That's right. Now, here is the reason why we want to talk about this. If you now take that V and you understand that the lines are boundaries and if I cross over the lines... I'm into consequences. That's what God is saying to us. He is saying you have your maximum freedom when you have one additional thing. Draw an arrow at the intersection of the two lines of the V. 
so that your arrow is going up and that would imply the more you are traveling the length of that arrow, the more freedom you have. Now, what does that arrow represent? Self-governance. And where do we get self-governance? It's a fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. That's exactly right. So just consider that, that picture. More freedom, the more you have self-control the more you have self-governance. The more you're trusting in the Spirit, the more your freedom is going to be used responsibly. So this isn't something I do. It's actually that in pursuing another's best, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, unconditionally, this is a result. It not only is a result, but it is also something that you can be doing because the more I learn about the Lord, the more I end up operating in a self-controlled fashion and therefore self-governance has a variety of components to it accountability self-responsibility those type of things knowledge i need to learn more about the lord to have more self-governance so i'm using my freedom responsibly thank you herman and again i can't say it enough times go to the website videos chapter 8 discusses all this in greater detail. You'll also find a study guide that you can download. Again, that's greatrelationships.com, grnumeratrelationships.com. Bill, you raised a great group of kids. I could really use some parenting advice. Sure, Steve. What's your question? And what are you doing with all those funnels? Debbie and I have been going through some parenting classes at the church, and the teacher was discussing something he called the V principle. It looks sort of like a funnel. That must be the same class Lord and I took many years ago. We learned all about the V principle, how it lets you set boundaries that are more restrictive when the kids are young, and allows you more freedom when they get older. But it also lets you set clear consequences if the kids stray outside the boundaries. Okay, so it has nothing to do with wearing a funnel on your head. Why, of course not. Hey, Bill, where are you going? Back to the hardware store to return these funnels. Join us next week as Herman invites you to help your kids learn self-governance by using the V principle to set boundaries. You won't need to buy a funnel, though. Great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.